At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gas Rock 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm gonna cook a meal that's gonna make you mine. We're turning up the oven, now we're ready to roast. When you touch me, honey, you'll love it the most. Come on and put me in your loving shoes. Welcome to another BritFleets.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest is Simon Aitken. Welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me, Stuart. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Now, just to give people, or well, the listener even, um, a brief uh, introduction to yourself from my point of view. You and I have known each other a while. We've worked on a film or two, certainly 2014, 2012's um, Out of Hours, which was shot in my old workplace. You were the DLP on that film. And, um, right. and you've now come here with a finished feature anthology called Modern Love, which people can watch on Amazon Prime if they're subscribers. Is there any other way people can watch it if they're not subscribers to Amazon Prime? Um, unfortunately, it's only available at Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, I am looking into getting like uh, like DVDs and stuff, but um, it, it's funny at the moment because um, with my previous feature, Blood and Roses, mm. um, I was able to use Amazon to do DVD and be on Prime at the same time, but they are closing down their DVD department. So that option's kind of been closed off to me. Yeah. That's interesting. Right. Well, 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 for those people that are Amazon subscribers, do you want to give people a brief synopsis as to what Modern Love is all about? Well, Modern Love is a, a set of 11 stories, uh, all set in contemporary London. Uh, they delve into distant, different aspects of love, good and bad. And uh, it's all sort of a realistic look at things. It's not. Um, sort of your Hollywood kind of uh, romance film. Um, it's a lot more sort of down to earth than that. Yes. It's, um, while it does have, it does wear its heart on its sleeve, it mm. certainly is somewhat cynical as well at the same time. I think it's safe to say that uh, <laughs> love, love doesn't maybe always conquer all is what I come away from watching your film. Although love is what yes. we need at the same time, which is a kind of a bit of a shit. <laughs> Um, I, um, I, I put together the titles of what's on, what's on modern love. And I sort of tried to summarize what I thought each one was saying. Now this is obviously this, none of this, these are all quite abstract thoughts. They're not going to spoil if someone wants to watch it. But if I go down, so if I start with taxi ride, how yeah. do I tell someone I love them? Um, revenge for cheating. Um, <laughs> online modern love is complicated. Digital romance. Modern love is about finding your niche. Three words, I love you, dead hard. Silence, end of love, unexpected, self-loathing. The one that got away, 
Mistaken Love, Hotel Rendezvous, Bad Judgments All Round, Music <laughs> be, Music Be the Food of Love, he does write a song. To the passerby, Love is Blind. Um, is that too literal? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, see, um, to the passerby, uh, the one thing I, I, I liked about that story, I mean, this was the, the story behind that story is that I met Diana, the writer, when I was at a festival yeah. uh, promoting uh, without subtitles on Sansu Titra. Mm. And um, she wanted to make this short film called To the Passerby. And um, she asked me if I would be interested in doing it. And I was, and there, there was a plan to shoot it uh, abroad and it didn't come to fruition, but um, I asked her anyway, if I could still use it, uh, I still wanted to make it. And the, the thing for me, for the, what I liked about the story was that it wasn't that love is blind, but um, kind of like you can see somebody on the street and you can imagine what your life is going to be like with that person. Okay. But then you don't really know who that person is. So in the story, when she sees the other character, yeah. she envisions what her life would be. With of course, with yes, him, yes. She doesn't really know him. And um, that that was what intrigued me. And it was just the um, the blind bit was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was a nice little touch because it, you know, it's a case of uh, show not tell. Of course, no, no, and that, and, and and a lot yeah. of what you've done on, on all of these things it plays with the idea of showing not telling. Um, mm. But I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess that's more of an existential thing. It's, it reminds me of, um, in fact, R- Richard Linklater when he sat in the back of the taxi at the beginning of Slacker, and he and he talks oh, yeah. about the girl he, he'd seen in the bus station. He's telling the taxi driver, and he says, "Well, you know, if I if I hadn't got in this taxi." I could have gone and talked to her and then we might have got on, we might have gone for drinks. I could have gone back to her apartment, I could have moved in. And he just pauses, he goes, I should have stayed at the bus station. And it was really just an imagined <laughs> version of falling in love. It was based on nothing that could, oh, ha- yeah. could possibly well, happen. That, and, and that's the other thing as well, is because that wasn't her bus. If, she, if that was her bus, what would have happened? I mean, it's... Well, I want to catch, catch the 42 to possibility, to be honest with you. I think that's a great, I think that's a great bus to get on because the forty two round here just takes you to Homerton Hospital. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, a lot of those little touches is um, down to the animator Jason. Um, I, I never asked him to put my face on the billboard. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. I didn't like to ask. Um, <laughs> and we should say we should that's Jason Finn who's who's the who's the yes. animator on that project. Uh, now that's right. this project being available now on Amazon Prime as as a as a feature film people can watch um is mm-hmm. is testimony in many ways to an adage that I heard recently which is um patience and patience and consistency will get you a, a, as far as talent and enthusiasm in the film business you know it's like the, the, the talent and enthusiasm is a given. That's why you want to do it. But it's patience yeah. and consistency which will keep you in the game, as it were, and keep people coming back to you and stuff. Because this has been a fairly sort of long, length, lengthy journey for you, hasn't it, in terms of where, yes. where this begun and where, it's, where it is now. Do you, can, you, can you give people an insight into the origins of, of where this begun for you? Yes, certainly. Um, it started at a screening called Feast on Film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was there uh, with another film of mine uh, with uh, the actor Benjamin Green, who's in Sansu Chicha. 
And we met an actress called Aurelie, who's in the film. And she was talking about the fact that there was no good roles for French actresses in England, you know. Okay. Which was kind of comical because it's like, well, you know, I think there's a lot of good, uh, you know, French roles in Paris, but. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, in England, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I don't know. That conversation sparked something in with me and Ben, and we started riffing on an idea about um, what it would be like to live, you know, and be in a relationship with somebody who speaks a different language. Mm-hmm. And Ben went away, and we he wrote the story, and then we went and made it um, at the end of 2011. Mm-hmm. And then 2012, we came back to Feast on Film and we showed the film there. And there was a, a lot of interest. I remember the Q&A afterwards, there was a lot of questions. And um, and also we showed it at a few other festivals. We took it to Cannes that year and um, I had it on an iPad and I would just show it to people around. And, you know, it was, you know, we were getting a lot of great feedback. Right. And so um, I decided I wanted to make another story, uh, which was Digital Romance. And just sort of experiment with a different way of telling a story. So this time I made it a silent film, but being, you know, talking about relationships and stuff. And again, that one came out of a conversation uh, with a costume designer I met over in Cannes. Mm. And she was, she was dating somebody at the time online. And she was kind of worried that when she met them in real life, um, what would that, you know, what would happen? Would would she freeze up? Because her her up to that point, her conversations with the guy face to face had been all online, and so I sort of I thought that's an, that's kind of an interesting idea, and I went okay, let's um, let's see what the, the outcome would be, and of course we just done a negative outcome, so I thought oh, well, I'll make this one positive. And then it just, it, it went from there. Once I had the two stories, I thought, well, there's, there's more to this, this idea, this concept and that I can explore. And I started just writing stories and uh, filming them as I go. Mm. So it was, it was great that I didn't have to, you know, have like free, free weeks to, to, you know, film everything. I could film it weekends, uh, weekdays, time I ha- had off and I could write the story and I can, you know, and, and then I could edit them. So um, a lot of the, uh, a few of the shorts actually were screened as short films um, up to a certain point. And then as it was getting closer to the feature being finished, um, I stopped showing them to people and saying, well, look, we're getting so close to having the, the feature finished. Or, or as I thought at the time, because the time just seemed to, to drag. Mm. <laughs> I understand. That's, but yes. the, that's the life of film, isn't it? Time drags. Well, yes, and uh, and no. I mean, we we had a a bit of a, a holdback. Um, so last year in March, the animation was very close to being finished. Right. Uh, as uh, Jason Finn was uh, doing a lot of it at the uh, computer at his work, is in the office, mm. and then we had the first lockdown. Wow. And that just yeah that put a stop to that and it took quite a while it took to the end of last year to actually get back to getting the animation done got you i should and clarify Jason, that i just mean and what i mean by time drifting i mean i mean in the yeah. film industry like we allow time to pass 
where nothing happens. The idea that you're taking control and making use of the time you've got, keeping yourself moving yeah. forward, is almost like the opposite of what normally happens. If you're trying to make a feature film, for instance, there are so many variables involved that you can be waiting around for X, Y, and Z and never get well, yourself yes. going, is what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, in in the time of making this film, uh, I have, uh, you know, tried to get other projects off the ground. Mm. And it usually comes down to, you know, finding somebody to, to fund the film. Mm. And that's usually the, the, the major hurdle you have to get over. Um, I mean, I applied to the uh, BFI microwave scheme. Yeah. And had no joy. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, and it is, you are sitting around waiting for somebody to say, yes, we want to do this film or no. And obviously, um, these 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 films that become modern love, you you were in full control of your destiny yes. as much as you can be. Yes. Oh yes. I mean, um, a lot of it was um, like you know, the writing bit um, I did, and uh, Antonio Maguire did, and you know, uh, Keith gets a writing. Keith Isles gets a writing. Um, credit because uh all his dialogue is improvised mm-hmm. i came up with like the scenarios but the actual telling of those stories or you know what he says to the camera keith came up with all the words for that and so it was just yeah it was just a lot of people giving their time uh, a lot of help from people especially when it came to locations and just you know it was it was a it was a group effort i mean i couldn't have done this film without everybody who worked on this that's a good segue because obviously, I, it'd be it'd be it'd be remiss for me not to, not to declare my interest in the film, in the sense of my kitchen was uh, was the setting for one. Do you want to talk about about what it was you wanted and what and what you did with that space? Uh, yeah. So uh, with uh, silence, the uh, the story of the end of love, mm. um, that was an idea that came from uh, Antonio Maguire. Mm-hmm. And um, she said, well, you know, sometimes uh, relationships don't go out with a bang. They go out with a fizzle. And um, so I thought, oh, that'd be interesting. And again, I went with it being one camera set up and the, the two actors sort of working throughout the space. And the thing I loved about that was that you could play. So normally on a film, um, especially on a low-budget film, you don't have much time to experiment and try things out. You literally have to get, you know, the five shots, you know, wide shot, mm. close up, close up, over the shoulder, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff. Usually you don't have time to sort of say, well, let's try this. Or maybe, um, you know, walk slower, maybe walk quicker. I mean, usually if you do another take, it's because you feel what they've done is wrong or it's not correct or you they could do better. Mm. But in this instance, we could actually, you know, try different things, you know, stand here, stand over there. It was, um, it was really, it was really good as like a, an experiment. And just the, the whole idea is that, you know, that their, their actions speak louder than words. And just the, the 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 words they do say at the end is kind of like a punchline to the to the story. Yeah, I mean it's it's very much the, the sort of mise en scène, isn't it? In the uh, and 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 you know with that sort of formalist cinema in the sense of you've chosen your frame, 
Yes. And then the actors have to occupy it with what they need to do. You're not using the camera to then tell us more. Everything's about what you've set up and then what happens within it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's it's a style that kind of informed uh, Hotel Rendezvous, mm. where, you know, bad mistakes all around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but equally, but interestingly... It's 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 very. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it until you were talk, until you were describing what went into um, into silence. Is that there's great parallels between them because they're they're both they're, they're two other people in a long term relationship that's run its course while having yeah. a you know reasonably long term relationship on the side that neither yeah. have realised has run its course until until actions you know bring it to a head and that. And that's all because then you can't, again, it doesn't need explaining, does it? It's not something you need to serve up and say, no. right, okay, oh, I'm dead angry at you, la, 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 la. And it's like the, um, what's the, in, in, in the Hotel Rendezvous one, what's the female character's name? Uh, Aliska. Aliska. So Aliska is, um, is just disappointed. It's so brilliant to be disappointed, having, <laughs> having made your big move to then be faced with disappointment. But then it's like, What's the, what's the expression? If you sleep with lions, don't ex- don't get surprised if you get bitten, kind of thing. And it's like, yes, a cheater yeah. cheats, don't they? Kind of thing. And it's interesting how people kid themselves. And and that's none of that's necessarily said, but these are the thoughts you can come away with, having watched the interaction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also with that story, I I played with time a bit as well. So um, it's kind of like. Um, so there's there's a flashback and then you you go to what you think is present time. There's actually another flashback because it's, it's that kind of loop. So you start off at the at the end and then you end at the end. <laughs> no, it's lovely. The, the 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 way you bring us back into the present with the um with the segue between the door answering the, the door being oh, yes. the door being knocked on and then the door being answered. Yes. It was a neat trick. Um <clears throat> excuse me. Now you've shot a lot on location um, in and around London. We see a lot of London while you're uh, in your film. So I'm guessing a lot of that was um, was being a bit cute with um, with guerrilla filmmaking. So do you want to talk about some of the challenges of shooting in a big city where usually you're going to have to you're going to have to um, get certificates and permissions and stuff to be shooting a film? But obviously, there's ways of shooting film that isn't as noticeable as three yes. people stood around a tripod. And a, and a, and a, well, and a yes. I mean, that, well, that's that's the thing about uh, if if you if you put a, a tripod down somewhere, then you need a um, a license to do it. Mm. Um, you need a permit, and uh, if you don't have the license down, if you've got the camera on your shoulder, uh, unless you're on private land, that you know you could be moved on, but mm. that's about it. Um, I think. Now, the where we had problems was when we were shooting um, online the okay. uh, segments that join up the stories, mm-hmm. and um, we sh- we shot that film oh, about f- at least three times, and the the problems we always had was that um, when you're filming in a city like London, they don't care that you're filming; they're going to carry on with their life. Yeah, so. Um, we actually filmed um, the segment after the date where he's, he's talking to camera about how he felt about how it went and everything. Mm. And we, 
we were actually in uh, Leicester Square Blimey. in the park area. And yeah, the, that quite, I mean, for people that don't know Leicester Square, that's probably the least quiet place you could, <laughs> and the most <laughs> yeah. footfall because it's literally a pedestrianized area. There isn't a road around it. Yes. Yes, we 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 were in one of the uh, benches there, and uh, it was you know, it was getting close to uh, throwing out time, and we we were there right up to the last minute. Uh, unfortunately, so was most of London, and uh, we actually had a, a couple next to us having a big argument, and it was just like very meta, yeah, 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 and it was just like, but you couldn't hear a word that. Uh, Keith was saying so. So, what, but, but that was that begs the question then. Why why was it so important that you shot in Leicester Square? Um, well, I always wanted London to be part of the story, mm-hmm. you know, to to feature in it, and uh, I thought, I thought, well, let's try Leicester Square. That's a, a good place to go, mm. and um, because we we had filmed um, in Chinatown, sort of just round the back. I noticed, of yeah, around back back of Prince yeah. Charles. That's it, yeah. And um, I thought it would make sense that if he was going to do it, he would do it, you know, nearby. And sort of Leicester Square is, you know, literally just there. It is indeed. Um, so in in my mind, it kind of made sense that way. But uh, unfortunately, London had other ideas. So how many, and, how many, out of um, interest then, how many retakes were you forced to do then with that one? Um, What, the... When he's walking down the street or when we were shooting Leicester Square? When you were in the park in Leicester Square. Um, oh, we, um, God, we did like five or six goes and all of them were unusable. Really? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and, and you, for, said, you said at the top before, you know, if Keith's improvising as well, how are you, how are you keeping your continuity then? And how is he conscious of his continuity? How do you, how do you manage that aspect? Um, well, as I say, there, there was an outline, so uh, he had uh, things that he had to talk about. Got you. Um, so he knew what the date was hmm. and how it went and his sort of feelings about it. And any other sort of um, issues he had, he would, you know, he'd bring up. But um, this, was a, this was a joy of working with Keith was that he was very consistent with his improvisations. Yeah. So he would um, kind of pin it down in the first take, and then I might make a few adjustments. But he would always, every one, he would literally, it would be, you know, it, it would be like as if there was a written script. So he would go over the same kind of uh, things. He might word it slightly differently, but yeah. he would, uh, it, there was always this consistency of him saying the same things. I mean, it was. I mean, if, if I'm honest, it was the mo. It was the one I learnt the most about in terms of, because obviously the others, I'd guess. I mean, I did so romance, I suppose, as well. The others are about a universe, about universal truths, which you know you can come prepared to understand, and it's a point of view you're presenting. But with online, I mean, I'm someone that's been together with someone since '97, so it well, it well predates the idea of an, of meeting someone using an app. At Parker, our purpose is simple: we want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoverSouthCarolina.com. And, yeah. uh, and and that, that brings me to uh, to your own performance within the film. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> can you uh, – I recently interviewed um, Danny Houston about his film, The Last Photograph, and he's in that, oh, right. in, he stars in it too, so he's directing himself. Now, obviously, we're talking on a Zoom call now, and I'm guessing what you were, what you were using – what you do in the film is show a two-way conversation between yourself and the character Keith's playing. Um, how how was it directing yourself and um, keeping a tab on your own performance as the director? Um, well, it, it comes down to the when we shot online originally because we we shot the whole thing uh, back in about 2013. Okay, and I wasn't satisfied with it, so I came back and we we redid it and we added a few things. Uh, we made it. Um, originally it was like a video diary mm. and uh, I was always sort of behind the camera. So uh, every segment would start with me saying, so Keith, how's it going? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I was very much a part of that story. You wouldn't see me, but you could hear my voice. I've got you, yeah. um, And so we kind of had done it. <clears throat> um, we already had done like the first, the first version was like a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. It was like a first go around. And so there was a segment where um, I was driving Keith to his date and uh, he had the camera on me. Yeah. And so it was very interesting because I had to concentrate on driving. <laughs> often often so, the case when you're driving, yes. Often the case. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worse than, you know, having a crash. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you need to retake that shot. Yeah. So we, you know, we drove around uh, Soho a lot. Um, we did like multiple takes and stuff like that. And um, and so when it came to that, it was a, it was that similar thing. It's like, well, okay, I'm here. I'm giving my friend some advice, and that's it. So I just, you know, listened to what he said. Had to, you know, and of course I could see myself. So I knew if I was given a bad performance or not, or you know, I mean, I'm, I think most directors who go in front of the camera probably go, oh, yeah, not, not very good in this. But <laughs> um, again, the, the Zoom call came out of uh, necessity because we tried filming it various other different ways. We okay. tried filming it in a, in a beer garden, you know, two guys discussing this over a pint. Uh, we even filmed it in my back garden, Stretton, when I was living there. Uh, but it was always, you know, sound problems you know the the day we decided to film in back garden the neighbors decided to have a big old party so there was music blaring and barbecue going and it was just like well we can't use the sound but this but it, but these are interesting anecdotes because because for the filmmaker listening in this is the reality isn't it of of you can yes. you can all you can get all the people you need to volunteer their time but if you're doing anything outside you're you're at the whim of 
what other people are doing outside without yes. without fencing off and soundproofing it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, especially if you're filming in a city centre, you mm. know, it's it, it can bring up uh, so many different things. Um, God, years ago, I shot a TV pilot for a magic show called Trick or Street. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, street magic. And so we would, you know, the people we would go up to, they they weren't plants. They were just people on the street. And, of course, in the middle of filming, anything can happen. We had, like, a homeless guy come up into the middle of one of our shots and, um, you know, interrupt us. But it was it was so funny and, like, off the moment, we kept it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Um, yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that sort of unexpected thing that may happen when you're filming because a lot of people I know in London, they, they see a camera, they don't, no. you know, they just carry on, you know, it's just part of life. Well, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's always okay. interesting. It's always interesting when you bring somebody who's never been to London into the West mm-hmm. End for the first time. And the first thing that they often say is, is all these people, like they can't, whereas if you've done it before and it's not a surprise, yeah. it's just the West End. It's, it's like seeing the buildings, seeing lots of people. But it genuinely, yes. I mean, for the people outside of London listening in, you know, to try and shoot any any portion of a film in Leicester Square without security and cordoned off and tell everyone to shush is a task in <laughs> itself. But you were going to say about, about choosing to use Zoom with, uh, with the uh, online one. So talk us through that again, sorry. Yeah, so um, it was a case of um, getting me and Keith together and finding a location that was very different to everything we had shot before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as we had failed many times filming outside, it was getting late in the year, so it wasn't getting so warm, you know, uh, winter was coming. And so I, I said, well, why don't we do it as like a Skype call? Um, Skype had introduced recording actually onto their programming and I thought, well, let's let's do that. Um, now, when I did digital romance, how I did that was I I used um, I would film one of the actors, you know, on one side of the call, and then I would go to the location where the other actor was and film their reaction to watching what the other actor was doing. Mm-hmm. So it was very much using um, two cameras. And I thought, well, this time, why not? Let's 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 actually just do it as a Skype call, um, split screen. And uh, yeah, and it, it worked, it worked out really well. Uh, I was very happy with it. And, you know, we, we recorded sound like we are for this podcast with like microphones and, and stuff like that. So I knew uh, video quality wasn't going to be so important, but sound had to be, of sound course. had to be, you know, cause it is sound is like, like 70% of the film. You can get away with a bad image, but you can't get away with bad sound. You can. It's really weird how we do watch with our ears and we're not conscious of it. Yeah. Because it's the biggest thing to take. Poor sound quality is the first thing to take out of a film. I mean, we've watched we've watched enough films with poor practical effects where yes. that's never a monster in a million years, but it doesn't stop us enjoying it. But, yeah. the, but the minute that, if that monster sounded like it was being thrown in a bucket, we'd be like, oh, terrible monster that, isn't it? Listen to, listen to it raw. Who recorded that? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, 
you can get away with a, a, like a shot being slightly out of focus or being out of focus, but mm. it, it, bad sound. Then yeah. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things, in addition to the to the examination of love, is is your um, is your varying styles. I mean, we we have straightforward, as you described, you know, people talking to camera. You've got the idea of just a single frame. You play with time, but you also play with styles as well. You've got the um, the one that got away is is um, you know very much an ode to Legetti, isn't it? You know, the whole That's idea. Correct, of- yes. The, the, the still photography telling a moving image story. And then, and even to the point that with, like Legetti, you, you bring in a real moving image towards the end, which is almost still, but not quite. Um, mm. So enough that, you know, it's alive and it's a lovely little, I don't know, was that, I've been guessing that's an intentional homage to. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, when I was uh, studying film, Hmm. On a very short course, I mean, I didn't do film school. I did uh, a course called Panico, which was a, a crash course in filmmaking. It was actually like, this is a camera, this is a sound man, this is what a director does, this is what an editor do. Hmm. And um, one Sounds of the examples they get, yeah, one of the examples they get was Legette, the idea hmm. of using uh, stills to tell hmm. a story. And um, yeah, I just I love that uh, story, and I wanted to do. I wanted to tell a story in a similar style. So mm. yes, um, very much a homage to that film. And I just thought it would be great at the end where, you know, after seeing everything that she's gone through, you, uh, you know, she turns around to her camera and just to, to deliver that last line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was nice. It was nice. But, 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 but that, that, mm. but that varying style of, of, of delivery is, is a very interesting thing. I mean, because obviously this is an evolving project which didn't start out as this project, but you saw the opportunity to do it. So how conscious yeah. were you of needing to mix it up as part of the overall presentation rather than just do seven or eight Simon Aitken films that just look all like Simon Aitken films, if you, if you want a better expression? Because they are all your films, obviously, still. But <laughs> Well, um, well, that was the opportunity that was I could, I could see. Mm. I mean, that was one of the things that, kind of spurred me on to make it into a feature was like, mm. well, I can try different things. It doesn't have to be, each story doesn't have to be told the same way. Mm. I can try different things out. And um, that was one of the joys of making this film. Um, with like uh, Unexpected, um, with that film, I was influenced by um, Upstream Colour, where uh, it was very much about the imagery and less so more about the dialogue. If you watch that film, um, sometimes the, the, the dialogue takes very much a, a back seat to actually what's going on mm. in the scene, image-wise. I mean, there are certain bits that are the dialogue's very important, but you could turn this, you could turn the sound off and still watch that film and mm. kind of understand what it's about. I mean, it's very I I showed it to Antonia, my girlfriend, and she she doesn't like it. She didn't get it. <laughs> but it's, I think it's more of an accessible film than, say, Primer is, which is very wordy and very technical and talks about things that are, um, you know, seems like you, you need to have, like, a degree or something. <laughs> but but in, that, in that one, that. like like with... Um like with uh, the one that got away you're you're reliant on music still though though aren't you and and obviously oh yes even more so with yes. to the passerby um you know the reliance of which i saw 
Neil Myers, who's another connection back to Out of Hours, the, the film we the little film yes. we worked on. If we take if we take um, Unexpected as, a, as as the example, what what was the process of getting the music for getting the music for that one? How did you how did you go about that? And what was your discussions with the person that provided it for you? So each short story we we would complete, mm-hmm. so everything would be done. Um, and so I would once we were the the picture was locked. Uh, I would then go and meet with Neil, and we would talk about like themes we wanted in the story ideas for kind of music this kind of feel um mm. any sort of examples that sprang to mind and uh and then neil would go away and he would you know uh write the music to the to the picture uh and then send me some examples what i liked, what i didn't like and mm. uh, it was yeah it was a great working relationship and um and but it was always after the fact it was never before filming. Okay, so, that's interesting. So what, yeah. what what do you feel is the benefit for after the fact compared to compared to sharing the script and then saying think of some music for that? Uh well it's just it was just a way of working because uh because Neil you know is a is a great composer mm-hmm. and he's working a lot. Um I knew that his time was sort of finite. Got you. So I would would bring him in, you know later rather than earlier mm. if i if say i had a budget and um and lots of time and then i could you know and there was a lot of music that needed to be written for the film i would then maybe approach neil earlier than Got you. later okay yeah but well, that's good i mean that, that speaks to the idea that it was it was about the circumstance it was about time management so that's an important thing people understand yeah. is that if you're relying on favors and resources that aren't, you aren't paying for then you've got to make the best of them not not expect it well, to that's be it. not to expect it to be like if you go out into the market with money. It doesn't work like that, does it? Well, yeah. I mean, you've got to be respectful of people's time. Mm. Um, you know, there's no money involved, and it is a you know they still have to do the amount of work that they would be being paid for. Mm. So you got to you have to sort of be very respectful. It's like with coming up the schedules for the, for the shoot. Uh, a lot of the time I would have to schedule it around other people's uh, diaries. Mm. And, you know, if you had, if you were using one actor for one shot, then I would sort of schedule it so that either they would come in and we'd shoot them first or they come in late and we'd shoot them last. I wouldn't do the thing where it's like, right, you have to be here at this time and then you go wait all day yeah, till we yeah. get to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just being very respectful of, you know, people's time and just understanding that they are doing me a favor, you know, and just like, you know, make sure that, you know, that you can, they, they're not sort of giving things up, paid work to be there. And also when they do arrive, that you, you know, you treat them really well, you make sure that they're fed, watered. Uh, they don't spend a penny on the film. So if, travel expenses or if they had you know they decided oh i'll buy this t-shirt because i think it really works for the character then they would get that money back mm. so it's just just being respectful of everybody who's working on this no project. no that's that's sound advice sam um now just as, as one last question then looking back on it this is obviously you say without subtitles is back in 2011 we're in 2021 now so it takes a decades <laughs> yeah. to decades yeah. work um 
what what would be what are some of the lessons what maybe a couple of lessons learned that you could have avoided knowing them beforehand that you could pass on to a filmmaker listening in and what what are the some of the sort of opportunities that you found that you think people should be looking for too you know maybe some some you know positive aspects of what what you've get, gleaned from this experience hmm. I, I must admit that I didn't really have many sort of regrets on this one because I had time. Uh, it wasn't a case of... Um, well, not, not so much regrets, but more, more like lessons, things you've learned that you didn't know before you went into it. You know, yeah. think, what new things do you appreciate about the filmmaking process that you did in 2011? It's weird. It's weird when you ask somebody about their growth. And mm. Sometimes it, it's a big leap, but sometimes it's a small leap. I think... When I made my first short after my first feature, yeah, I noticed a lot of differences. Got you. But I think after making the feature, I couldn't tell you, you know, I, I, what I would change and, and stuff like that. Um, well, reflecting back, let me reflect back on you then, what I'm watching then. So yeah. for me, if yeah. somebody was to listen in, they might be going, oh, my God, how, how does this all hang together? You know, he's been working on it over 10 years. It can't possibly. But, but one of the things watching it, is that you wouldn't, even though I was I was aware going into it of the time you'd taken to, to pull this project together, when I watched it, it feels like a coherent anthology about, about the meaning of love in mm. the 21st century. It didn't feel like, you know, a patchwork quilt of short films, which is often a mistake that, that anthologies make, is that, okay, I can't, I can't afford to wait around and or put time and effort into raising finance to make a feature. Therefore, I'll crib together short stories and, and make them adapt them to screen and stuff. But, but this feels because, because of the subject, because you've stayed so true to a subject matter. And like you said, in the conversation, you've, you've experimented with the form because you were free to do it. It was yours. That in itself yeah. sort of liberates the film from any sense of true uniformity, because the core theme of love that you stuck to is, is both a thorny and, liberating thing in life that none of us can get around and all your characters have got little myopic experiences of what love did to them or what love is making them do for that matter. Yeah. Well, I think you just summed up really well because it was that, um, you know, having that concept, having the idea that it's, these stories all revolve around love Mm. Uh, and sort of having it as kind of a, like a realistic view of love. Mm. Um, so none of these characters are going to walk off into the sunset. Um, you know, they're all going to live lives after this, some good, some bad, um, some for the better, some for the worst. And so that, you know, when I was writing the stories or, come, or finding the stories for, the, for mm. this anthology, that concept was always there. That was always the thing that's like check marking the, the script saying, well, does this fall into this? And I also feel that having the um, online story sort of weaved into it, yeah. um, you know, was like the glue that kept all the stories together instead of it being like, you know, short story, short story, short yeah, story, yeah, yeah. short story. Yeah. And so, Having that, as I say, the idea and that the checklist, I could then be free to sort of try different styles, uh, experiment, 
and um, and some cases play. And uh, you know, it was for for me as a director that was that was a great experience. And I don't think um, sort of when you're making films, you don't really have that opportunity to to do it because you have like a finite amount of time to do it. Mm. Um, we we can't all be like Stanley Kubrick and have like you know a year to shoot Can we film not? and try Can we not different. No, we can't. Bloody hell! Not. Bloody hell! I better throw these NASA. Well, I'm going to throw these NASA lenses out. Then I'm not going to test them. Unless, of course, you're you know very wealthy and prepared to put your own money into a project, yeah. and uh, you know you know people that are prepared to you know spend that amount of time with you making that. Well, let me let me let me throw some hypotheticals at you because this this is just for my own entertainment. Um, in silence, the husband in his in the yes. as reality is hitting him, all I kept thinking about was, I'd love to see what the conversation was like at work because I'm betting he didn't tell anybody when he went to work on Monday morning. That's my bet with the husband <laughs> in silence, and um, and I'm tra- I've been racking my brains and I can't work out what music John covers in his vlogs. Oh, <laughs> I've got. I, I, I was being, if I was being harsh on uh, Keith's character of John, I would say I've got an inkling it might be prog rock. That's my guess. <laughs> He's doing his reviews of prog rock albums and going through his vinyl collection for us. That's my that's my guess because often we, we never know what his real video blog is, but uh, he tells us he's got a music video blog. So that 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 thought entertainment, oh. obviously knowing Keith from uh, from from as, yeah. like I know yourself, it's. Uh, it's fun. It was. Well, it was I, quite. I, I, I must I, admit that was quite surreal for John Keith to speak yes. to you. What was your character's name? Uh, Paul. Paul. So John and Paul are talking, and I'm watching Simon and Keith on on a video call. <laughs> That's quite, that was quite surreal. But That's obviously a person. Not everyone's going to have that, yeah. that experience when they watch it, but it is quite surreal. <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, uh, sort of going back to your question about how it felt about been on camera while I was just playing myself so <laughs> I didn't Indeed. really have to act well look let's let's to... let's remind people then how 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 and where can they see modern love uh they can see it on Amazon Prime it's available in the UK and US uh you can stream it you can rent it and you can buy it well look just gives me to say thank you very much for giving us your time on the Britflix podcast thank you Stuart Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.